Ah, welcome to the podcast. Hello, welcome. We're doing an old-timey podcast. <laughs> That's right. It's 1920. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Times were so good back then. Women could barely vote. The economy was about to crash. Feels kind of familiar. Oh, no. <laughs> but luckily, the GOP wasn't out of office for a long time. It took them 50 years. What? That's what I read. Yeah. <laughs> No, I've read that too, so... Yeah. yeah. Our next That's president true. is going to be the ghost of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Hey! He'll protect our national parks, at least. Mm. Good good, good work, kids. Good intro. <laughs> well done. You've solved the mystery, kids. You've solved the mystery of the ghost of FDR. <laughs> Send him back to the grave. We're tired. Banish him. Anarchy! Podcast listeners... We're tired. We're so tired. Let's play some D and D. And I'm your DM. Hi, I'm Sophia, and I play like a tiefling paladin. <laughs> it's me, Noelle, and I play Fran. But that's only when I'm not at the speakeasy. <laughs> and who's that strapping young boy over there? Hello, it's Caitlin. I'm sorry. I'm so loud, I can't control my volume of my voice. <laughs> I'm weeping constantly from my eyes. I can't see very well. Where else would you be weeping from? (laughs) But many other orifices. I play Corbin. He is a druid. He is a human. Beautiful. Oh my god. I really do have to wipe the tears from my face. (laughs) So, um, so last time. Uh, you all fell out of the sky, and after being separated from Fran and Corbin, Laika ended up in the ocean with the goddess, uh, made her way back to shore, summons Jinji as her soulbound, as her soulbound steed, spotted some survivors out at sea, and then came across the greater wolf, Zarun, when she went to go rescue them. Corbin and Fran, you two fell into a sandstorm, survived the night fairly well, and then survived an encounter with a bullet. Less well. Uh, you both got knocked unconscious and were surrounded by a group of sand sled riding orcs. And that is where you guys are starting today. So, are you guys ready? Fran? Mm-hmm. Corbin? Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, I'm in heaven. Uh, and I'm looking down. Yeah. We're both well, astral projecting. Um, <laughs> no, not quite. Actually, you're just passed out. Uh, mm. But when you wake up, and you do wake up, um, you find yourselves buried up to your chin in warm, damp sand. And it smells horrible, but with these kind of floral notes. Quick assessment, how are you feeling? It's not great. Uh, Did you say we're up to our necks? Yes, and I feel like I should, you're laying down and then you're covered in sand. Okay, I was not imagining it that way. No, 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 neither. I had a feeling you weren't. No. (laughs) Um, but when you open your eyes, um, you see above you, you're in, you're in a domed tent. And Fran, you look over and you see there is an incredibly ancient old orc woman who is pouring a greenish liquid over the sand that Corbin is buried in. Um, and she's humming to herself. Are we in a Bacta tank? <laughs> <laughs> is this a spa? <laughs> is it? Um, can I do, like, um, a history check to see if I know anything about orc culture? Sure. Your history is pretty outdated, but let's see what you know. Yeah. Uh, 18. Okay. What little you know about uh, orc culture, which, you know, some of the other attendants uh, in the Crow Clan kind of told you once that in ancient times, orcs were raiders and that they preyed on villages and, you know, they, they didn't really make much of their own. They sort of just stole from other people. But that's that's what you know orcs were like several thousand years ago. Right. 
I don't know any like orcs in Estra or anything. Yeah, you do, but they're nothing like the orcs that I mean, you've only seen one orc. They okay. don't look the same. These orcs by comparison, they are huge. They okay. are I mean, you've only seen the one, but you can tell. She's big, she's strong. Her her facial features are much I guess shorter than the orcs you know. These these orcs do not look like you know orcs to look. Cool, cool, cool. I say good morning. Oh my oh, god. Um the woman she looks down at you, she looks quite surprised. And she says something to you. And it takes you a minute because it sounds like words. And it sounds kind of like words that you know, but you cannot make sense of it. It does not make any sense to you. And when she sees kind of the look of confusion on your face, she tries another language. And this one is much more guttural and it's very low and uh, and you have no idea. This one even you're even more lost on. Corbin, don't talk to it. <laughs> I just said good morning. I'm trying to be polite. I've just woken up. The woman gets up and she leaves. Um, you're not feeling great, but you can definitely move. Functionally, you each have about four hit points. Cool. Um, I say to Corbin, Corbin, I think I'm hallucinating. I'm looking around the world below and I'm seeing a building. I'm seeing an old woman. And I'm seeing you. Great. Methinks we were lied to. Oh, lives. You just you just believe that and accept it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, I drag myself out of the muck and um, you I, smell super gross. I cast create or destroy water, and I create a whole bunch of water to pour down myself mm. and um, give myself a new hairstyle. <laughs> what what's your hairstyle? It's a pixie cut. Okay. Nice. As you're doing this, as you're shaping your water hair, the old woman, uh, she comes back in. And this time she's accompanied by a huge male orc. He's probably like seven and a half feet tall. And as soon as they see you, and it takes Mm -hmm. them a second to sort of comprehend what you're doing, Mm -hmm. they drop down on their knees. Like, put their heads to the sand. They are bowing to you. And they're they're (laughs) whispering to each other. They're muttering. They look terrified all of a sudden uh i sit up and i start to laugh (laughs) (laughs) um i do some karate poses and i'm gonna roll an intimidation check because okay fran is feeling cornered (laughs) um yeah that's a two (laughs) (laughs) so they slowly get up and they're sort of looking at each other and then the male or key he says something, but again, you just don't you don't understand him. Okay. So I say, we do not come in peace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does not look threatened by you at all. He has clearly decided you are not a threat. I, I point to my eyes. I point to him. He points back at you, <gasps> then up. And he has this sort of questioning look on his face. I nod. And I give him a big thumbs up. I'm scared because he pointed at me. Yeah, I'm looking around for an escape. <laughs> I, route. I also, I'm, I'm getting out of the sand. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm mm-hmm. out. Are we naked? Yeah, actually, you are. Sweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I bear myself. <laughs> oh, Fran is gonna roll not to throw up. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a nine. <laughs> uh, I, you tell you, me. Do you throw up? I gag. Okay. Yeah, fair. Uh, so Fran, <laughs> fair. Fran gags as Corbin bears himself. <laughs> uh, and then the old woman, she sort of giggles. Um, <laughs> uh, and she bustles over to another part of the tent and she pulls out of some uh, some chests these big loose tunics, um, which she, she hands to each of you. And she's trying to sort of help you into this tunic, Corbin. She's like holding it out to like, so you can put your hands cool. through I the sleeves. Cool. I push it away. And and she just pushes it towards you again. Ugh, I take it. Please, Corbin, put it on. You're naked, too. (laughs) Well, she she handed Fran one, too. Yeah, I I put it on right away. Yeah, 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 I think um, it seems like she assumes you don't know how to put on clothes, so she's trying to put it on for you. (laughs) That's accurate from the clothes I've seen Corbin wear. I don't know how to put on clothes. Okay, so so you let this old woman put uh, this tunic on you. Yeah. And then the the male orc, he, he gestures for you guys to follow him. 
Is there only one exit? Yes. I can't crawl out under the <laughs> yeah, I mean, other I, flap. I guess, yeah, you could. You could crawl out underneath the flap. Um, yeah, I immediately, as soon as he gestures for me to follow him, I just book it the other direction. I grab Fran <laughs> by her ankle no, and no, drag no. her back. All right, <laughs> you two are going to just do a, I'll do mm-hmm. dexterity saves for both of you. Okay, okay. I got 12. Oh, 17. God damn. All right, um, Fran, you see one spot in the tent where there's a little bit of give, and you just dive for it, and you go through it like a... Like a rabbit through a gate. Mm-hmm. And Corbin, you try like to grab her as she goes past, but it's just, she's like water through your fingers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Fran, as soon as you get outside, one, you are barefoot. Two, the sand is very hot. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but there's nowhere to go. It's all sand. It's all sand as far as you can see. Until you turn around and you look at the rest of the camp. Okay. And here's what you see. In the center of the camp is the body of the boulette. And there are dozens of orcs sort of milling around, and they are harvesting it. They're cutting off chunks of meat. They are tanning the hides. They are cleaning and bleaching the bones. It seems like they're just dismantling this beast piece by piece, and then they're loading it up onto their sleds. And in the time it takes you to process this, the big male orc has come around, and he's holding up his hands in a sort of surrendering gesture. Mm-hmm. And he's as sort he of should, appro- as he uh, should. He's approaching you very slowly and he's speaking to you uh, in a low, soothing tone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like a skittish horse, I snort and I show the whites of my eyes. <laughs> but I do, I do calm down. Once he sees that you're not about to run away, he doesn't yeah. break his eye contact mm-hmm. with you, but he calls for someone mm-hmm. and they come over and they have a pair of sandals oh, which uh, he hands to you and he, he gives you a lot of room. Like, he holds these out very far <laughs> for you. Okay, I put them on. I'm gonna put those on. All right. And I um, give him a very small smile. Cool. Corbin, what, what do you do after? I'm just watching and laughing. Well, so you, you went out the tent the front yeah. way and, and watched. Yeah, like a okay. normal, like like a a normal, normal crow. Yeah, and they gave you shoes at the entrance of the tent. Okay, cool. Um, uh, yeah, so you guys, you're, you look around at really the activity of these orcs, and they all seem really happy, very peaceful. You can see they're not outfitted for battle. The ones of them that were, are wearing any kind of armor, it's, it's leather, it's hardened hide which is not very effective at stopping swords, but it is pretty good at stopping animal attacks and monster attacks. And as you're looking kind of at their supplies and their weapons, this is not a raiding party. In fact, it looks more like they're a trading caravan. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing you notice is the animals that are pulling their sleds. They have the body shape of a lizard. (gasps) But the sort of general facial features and furriness of a borzoi. <gasps> so they're these very long, slim, low dog lizards that pull their sleds. Uh, and there are several of these sort of curled up around uh, and they raise their heads to look at you and then look away and they don't seem very interested in you. I want to go pet one. Okay. As you approach one and you like stick out your hand to pet it, mm-hmm. it snaps at you. Oh. I, s- I sit down and I give it room. Mm-hmm. I wait for it to come to me. Fran has a moment of deja vu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you guys are out of the tent now, you see that people are sort of stopping what they're doing to look at you. Um, and they're whispering to each other and sort of bumping each other with their elbows. And they want to know what's up with these strangers. And people are pointing at your hair, Fran. They're like, what is going on with this? It is pretty beautiful, so I understand that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the big male orc, he walks away from you, and he goes over to one of the sleds where they are piling the bleached bones, uh, and he picks up this huge jawbone, the lower jawbone of the boulette, which you guys are both intimately familiar with because <laughs> it did bite you quite hard. And he brings it over to you, and he holds it out to you. And then he reaches into a pouch on his belt, and he pulls out two coins. And he points to the coins, and then he points to the bone. Oh, we can get money for that bone. All right. Uh, What do the coins look like? Do they look like anything that we know? You're not close enough to examine them, but from what you can see, they're silver. I I move towards them, and I, Mm -hmm. I like... 
ask for one. Oh, okay. You hold out a hand. He he gives you one. Cool. So um, I'm actually going to have you make a religion check. Twelve. Okay. You're not sure which god it belongs to, but there is the symbol of one of the old gods on these coins. Cool. And he, the the orc, he just kind of like lets you keep that coin. Sweet. You don't offer it back? No. <laughs> I offer it to you, though. Oh, I take wanna, it. See if I take you want to look at it. I look at it, and then I put it in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, good trade. <laughs> okay. And then I give a thumbs up to that orc. All right. He gives you a thumbs up mm-hmm. back. And uh, for the rest of everywhere he moves, I follow him. Okay. <laughs> Very close. <laughs> you have decided that he is your orc. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. he's the one. And yeah. um, I'm going to drag Corbin to also follow me and follow this guy. But I, I was going willingly. Yeah. But I'm, I'm still dragging it. Corbin. <laughs> You're dragging him whether he likes it or not. And he does like it. I do like it. <laughs> you guys stick with him. As you kind of watch his movements throughout the day, you get the sense that this is their leader. He's the chief orc. He seems to think it's kind of funny that you guys are just following him, ra- him around. Um, he's going around and he's checking in on the various tasks that are going on throughout the camp. And probably about 30, 40 minutes into this, the old orc woman comes back and she just starts like gently hitting him on the arm and just sort of like shooing him away <laughs> and like just, and it's just it's it's pretty funny because she's just like weakly patting at him until he <laughs> walks away from you guys and then she starts doing the same thing to you guys just sort of weakly patting at you and herding you back to the tent <laughs> um <laughs> And all that, all this time she's speaking, and uh, in, it's in that guttural language. It seems mm. that she's given up on whatever the other language she was trying to speak was. Mm. I I reach out my hand towards my favorite orc mm-hmm. as I'm led away. Yeah, he waves to you. It's I'm very scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you're led back to your tent, and the the orc woman she sits you down and she begins. She has different salves and different potions and poultices. Um, and she begins applying them to you guys, each in turn. And after all of this is done, you have regained three hit points. Oh, God. <laughs> but she seems very proud of that. I want to try to communicate with her. I point at myself and I say, Corbin. And then I point at her and I look confused. Uh, so, okay. So she points at herself and says, Dokella. Dokella. And she points herself, Dokela, Corban. And then she points to Fran. Um, and she goes, Corban? <laughs> um, I point to myself and I say, Destroyer of worlds, so don't fuck with me. <laughs> I make a huge gesture and I point cruelly with a mean face at Fran and I say, Fran. Just Fran. Okay, she seems Fran. Fran. Mm-hmm. I nod. And she points upwards again, and she says a word that you don't understand. I point upwards and I say, Estra. I point upwards and I say, Tent. <laughs> <laughs> Fran, you are not helping. Fran laughs a little bit. <sighs> she points at you then and says, Coban, Estra? Yeah. She points then at Fran. Fran, Estra. Yeah. Uh, I point to her and I say, Dokella. Tent. <laughs> Fred. <laughs> um, I point at myself and I say, Druid. Mm. Does she recognize that word? She doesn't quite understand what you're trying to say. I turn into a crow. She, again, she, down on her knees, <laughs> head, to her, head to the floor. She's bowing to you. Cool. Oh, my God. She, All right. she says something and she uses the word estra again. Do they not have, like, magic? Yeah, it kind of seems like that. They might not have any magic. Seems weird. I, um, using Minor Illusion, I make a small representation of Estra, mm-hmm. and I point to it and say, Estra. And she looks up, and she looks at the, the island, and her eyes are wide. She gets up a little bit, and she sort of waits to see what you guys are going to do as she mm-hmm. gets up from kneeling. And she moves over to, to your illusion, and she tries to touch it, and her hand goes right through. Very slowly, she points, Estra. Mm-hmm. And she points at you, Estra. I nod, and then I change that into, like, a picture of Laika, and I say, Laika. 
And she frowns and she doesn't seem to understand. Well. Good try. She looks at you for a second and then goes over to one of the... You know, there's like some chests in here. She opens one and she pulls out a very tattered and dusty leather-bound book. It's very roughly bound, but um, she takes it out and she pages through it. And she opens up to a page of, of symbols. And you recognize some of these. Are, these are the symbols of the old gods. And she, she runs her finger down the page of symbols and she says, Estra. Is there one for the goddess? Not that you know of. No. There wasn't one that you saw in Estra. Right. Yeah. Well, and as far as we know, like, there was no goddess until there was Estra. Yeah. So. That's fair. What about the greater beast gods? Yeah. Is the, oh, do I yeah. see the crow god? You see something that looks a lot like the crow god symbol, okay. but it is not. It is distinctly different. However, you do see the symbols for the wolf god, Fenrir, and for Cernunus, the deer god. And they look the same? Yeah, they look the same. All right, well... I'm not going to point to that weird-ass, not-the-right-crow symbol. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think she may be asking us if we're gods. <laughs> Should we say yes? <laughs> That's a great question, Corbin. <laughs> um, yeah, we nod. <laughs> okay, yeah, we nod. <laughs> uh, it's like I just separated the moral compass from this group. <laughs> um, it's exactly like that. It is. <laughs> Okay, but so you guys are gonna nod. You're gonna. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Gonna, I as soon as Fran starts to nod, I also start nodding. Okay, <laughs> but I make an image of Estra again, mm-hmm. and then I make an image of Estra like half exploded. Oh okay, yeah. yeah, right. And she she nods and she takes a handful of sand and she blows it into your illusion. So it seems like she's seen. The carnage. They, everybody on the ground saw this island fall from the sky. Okay. Do you want me to heal us? Um, yeah. I mean, can we, like, take a rest and... Yeah, if you guys took a long rest now, you will be healed. Okay. okay. You were just in such rough shape and she was bringing you back from the brink of death. Yeah, Let's death. have a feast. I point to my stomach and I go, hungry. Okay, the, the Dokella. Uh, she laughs and she uh, she then leaves the tent and then she pops her head back in and sort of motions for you guys to follow her. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's been, you know, it's been a few hours now and the sun is actually already going down. It looks like you guys were asleep well into the day and they've started a large fire around what's left of the boulette and there is not much. It seems like they're leaving nothing behind. The The few pieces that are left are you get the impression that the work's not done. They're just taking a meal break. And they're roasting big chunks of it over this fire. And uh, Dokella sits you in this ring of orcs around this fire. And she sits you next to that big male orc that you... Yes! Yes. <laughs> they're passing around this big hunk of meat. And people are just sort of ripping chunks off of it as they pass it around. And Dokella points to each of you in turn. And she, she says, Corban and Fran. And then she points to the male orc, and she says, Nodreg. Not not Rick. So not, his name is not Rick. Not Rick. Not Rick. Not Rick. <laughs> she shakes her if head. If he's not Rick, who is he? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I say, hi, not Rick, and I create a harmless shower of sparks. <laughs> <laughs> um, everyone freaks out. Everybody <laughs> in this camp just, like, there is screaming. People <laughs> gasp. And then everybody is is bowing to you. Um, I- <laughs> Except for Nodrig, who seems kind of unamused. Yeah. Well. And he's he speaks he speaks out before you can say anything else and mm-hmm. calms people down and they're all but now everyone's sort of looking at you. Even if they're not looking at you, they're looking at you at the corner of their eye. <laughs> Where'd it go? Well, now they know who they're messing with. Well. Um but yeah, you have a, a great dinner. The boulette tastes surprisingly good for being a horrible monster that tried to kill you instead. Mm-hmm. Oh, it- I relish every bite. <laughs> <laughs> um, and after you've eaten, you see some of the orcs go back to finishing up with the carcass. But uh, Dokella, she begins doing the thing to you where she's just patting you, like harmlessly sort of hitting you and herding you back to the tent. <laughs> um 
And when you get back there, a couple orcs have laid out some bedrolls mm-hmm. for you. Um, before we go in, uh. um, I say goodbye, everyone, and I wave my arm and I create a harmless shower of sparks. <laughs> <laughs> there is not quite the same reaction this time, but people still, like, it, it's very attention drawn. I wave like a queen as I back into the tent and oh disappear behind the flaps. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys get a good night's sleep in this tent. As they're falling asleep, I say, hey, Corvin, do you think Lyca's doing as good as we are? You know, I bet she's doing great. I give Corbin a thumbs up yeah. and I fall asleep into a beautiful dream. All right, so like uh, hearing the screams of people stranded out at sea, you swam out with Jinji. But on your way out there, Jinji spotted Zarun, the great elder wolf of your clan. And he's struggling in the ocean waves. He's barely able to keep his head above the water. I mean, like he was an old wolf before all of this, and he's never had to swim like this. And as you look at him, he seems incredibly disoriented, like he's just thrashing in the water. You can swim to him and you can save him. But if you do this, he is not going to be able to make it to the survivors. And if you swim back to shore now, you will not have the energy to swim back out to the survivors. Is the island sinking or is it? No. All right. Well, then I'm going to save him. Okay. All right. So you swim over to Zerun and you're able to, you and Jinji, it takes you a minute because he is thrashing around wildly and his mouth is foaming a little with the spit and the stress of it. His eyes are wide, but you're able to wrap your arms around him and get him to calm down even in these waves. Zarun, it's okay. It's okay. I was in the deep and the black. I heard your call. I was gone, but I heard your call. What do you mean you were gone? He can't speak anymore. He's okay. struggling to breathe. So you're, But you're able to get him back to shore. Okay. And it takes all of your strength and effort with you and Jinji to support him. But he makes it to the beach and crawls up onto the sand, panting. And it's getting dark now. I'm going to make us a shelter so at least we're warm and okay. like out of the wind. I get, Yeah, make another survival check for that. Oh, nice. So that's an 18. Okay, yeah. You're able to use your sword to hack down some smaller branches and make a little lean-to structure with against the outcropping of rock uh, and then cover that with some palm leaves. Uh, I'm going to obviously bring the goddess over there, too, yeah. and okay. check on both the goddess and Zarun. Mm-hmm. Um, Zarun's looking a little better. He's conscious. He's breathing. He's calmed down a lot. And he limps into the shelter and curls up next to Jinji. And Jinji licks his face a little bit and tucks in next to him. Uh, it's getting quite cold now as the sun has gone down. Um, and there's really there's nothing to hold heat on this beach. It is getting very chilly. So so I uh, check in with Jinji and I say, so here's what's going to happen. Since these two uh, boners are passed out, you and I are going to have to stay awake in shifts. Um, we both need to take rests, and uh, I don't know. Do you want to go first? Yeah. You get some sleep, Laika. I'll take the first watch. Thanks, bud. All right. So you you go to sleep, and Jinji curls up sort of between you and Zarun, and then you're able to put the goddess between all three of them. So, you know, all four of you are able to stay warm with each other's body heat. And you you get a little bit of sleep. You're lulled to sleep by the sounds of the ocean. And about halfway through the night, so just about when Jinji was about to get you up, you hear this enormous deep roar and this huge splash and then distant shrieks and screams. And then it's silent. Well, there goes those survivors. <laughs> <laughs> yep. On the next morning, when uh, as just as the sun is coming up, their bodies begin to wash to shore. Do I recognize any of them? No. They're, it looks like uh, a family. 
oh, from what God. you can tell. <laughs> Fucking damn like a teenage, it, It's like a teenage girl. You and do a, me. You do me like this. <laughs> I do. I do you like this. Uh, so there's, yeah, there's a teenage girl and a teenage boy and what looks like their mother from what you can tell. Can I tell what happened? You can't tell a huge amount, but some of them are missing limbs or pieces of them. It looks like whatever attacked them just took a couple bites and then left. Well, I feel shitty, and I bury their bodies. All right, you take the time to bury their bodies on the beach? Yeah, I do. Maybe okay. one thing I would do is, as I'm burying them, like check to see if they have any anything oh. I can repurpose. They don't have much on them. You actually, as much as it feels a little weird to you, you can take your clothes because having that extra cloth might be useful, especially in a desert situation. Yeah, I think I will do that okay. for also to protect the goddess too. Mm -hmm. All right. So by the time uh, you are done with that, it is getting into about mid-morning and you do not have any rations. The goddess is not awake still. She's, she's breathing a little bit more strongly, though, so she's definitely making improvement. Uh, and Zarun, he's able to get up and uh, about. What do you want to do? Well, I say a prayer to Fenrir, and I make markers on their graves. Nice. Uh, I'm going to check in with Zarun and say, what did you mean you came back from the deep, from the dark? When Estra fell, and I fell with it, I was plunged into the dark. And I thought that I would sleep there forever. But I heard the call from the amulet I gave you and knew I could not stay. And so I came back only to find myself in that deep water. I found my way to the top and then you found me. So you were dead? I believe so. What the fuck? Okay, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, mm, okay. I do not know what has happened to the others. Why wouldn't they have also been summoned? I do not know. Perhaps they were too far out to come back. I guess I don't fully understand what happened. I have an idea, but do you know? I only know what I saw from the forest, that the barrier the goddess erected all those thousands of years ago was destroyed by some evil magic, and then the forest broke apart. What do we do now with the goddess? We must keep her safe. There is always an Estra, as long as the goddess lives. Do you know if there's anywhere in the world below? No, I don't know. We have not seen this world in many years, and I was not alive when the island was raised. Cool. Well, um, I think I'm going to tie the goddess to Zerun's back. And as long as they're both good to go, we are going to uh, head in a direction. Just pick a direction and go? Uh, I'm going to do a perception check and see if, like, I see anything on the horizon, if I see any, like, smoke, anything. Anything. Just any any sign of life. Just anything. Or um, anything else that I can, yeah. you know, bring with us to, like, eat. Okay. That is a 20. Okay. Yeah. Uh, with that, you are actually, you're able to spot and kill a few small lizards it's enough for you. I mean, it's not enough, but you're able to eat it. Zarun, he uh, actually lets you have all of it. And then Jinji has a couple bites as well. But they're big magical wolves. So they'll be fine. For now, anyway. Are you eating those raw since you can't make a fire? Yeah. Oh, God. That's I, okay. what we do. That's sick. Laika ate a, a lemure. A rotting, horrible, shambling mound of flesh, and it's the lizards. Yeah, okay, but, like, that was yeah, for, like, the vine. You ate a, a centipede. Yeah, but, like, that was for the vine. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> Do it for the vine. I did. The vine what? is dead. It died with Estra. Whoa, Caitlin just did a backflip. She did it for the vine. <laughs> sponsor. I did sponsor. it for the vine. Oh, how can it sponsor? It's Whatever. Okay. Um, 
All right, so uh, you finish up your meal of lizard, uh, you get dressed, make the goddess as comfortable as you can on Zarun's back, and the four of you set off into the desert. Welcome to episode 11. First of all, I need to shout out to our sweet Patreon donors because we've just been blown away. So um, you may have noticed, I don't know if you were paying attention, we just barely mentioned it, but we did get a Patreon donor uh, named Brandon (laughs) a couple weeks ago and we loved that. So actually, after uh, Brandon donated, we got a whole bunch more Patreon donors, and I just want to give a shout out to them right now. Those thanks go out to Daniel, Leah, James, Katie, Stan, Alexandra, Hannah, Leanne, and Rudy. Um, We are just floored, bowled over, amazed. Um, if you want to donate to our Patreon, it is patreon.com slash jamesanddragons. We have quite a few rewards set up already, and we are very excited to be posting all that Patreon-exclusive stuff. There will still be some extras that come out on the Facebook and the Tumblr, but the majority of that is probably going to move over to Patreon. However, we will never put our podcast in the position that that you need to be subscribed to Patreon to understand the story or anything. So don't worry about that. Anything that's necessary for story understanding is going to be on this main RSS feed forever and always. Amen. Some of the things that are up on the Patreon right now are the full Legend of the Goddess from the last episode, outtakes from the last episode and some exclusive outtakes from arc one as well some maps of the world below that cat has been kind enough to put up and there's also tiers where you can have live streams with us as well as getting some uh gifts some sweet gifts So yeah, um, we had a live stream this past Sunday, which was not much of a live stream. It was just more of a Skype call. But we had Brandon, I don't know if you've heard of him, talk a little bit about why he decided to donate on Patreon. Well, um, I support a couple of different things on uh, different Patreons. And I just believe in supporting the arts. It's something that I enjoy, and it's a very nominal amount of money for something that gives me a lot of joy. And I, I really appreciate good art, and I think that's what you guys do. Um, and it's it's very evident to me that you guys really care about audio quality, and Noel cares about editing and musical interludes and things like that. Like in terms of finding one that's a D and D podcast, but very different from a lot of other ones, um, is very passionate about what they do, and and produces really good quality independent one-off work you guys aren't doing a module cat's doing it from uh, her own story which is very impressive it's uh it's something that's very easy to give you know if if you're giving a dollar a month and you get two hours of content for one dollar or five dollars a month uh for me that's that's money well spent you know it costs 18 dollars to see a two-hour movie that i might like I'm giving $5 a month to something I very much enjoy, and y'all get to buy chicken nuggets. So thank you so much again, Brandon, for selling our Patreon better than any of us could have ever dreamed. That's incredible. Um, I also want to put out a special, special thank you to Stan for donating $10 a month, which I cannot believe. (laughs) And so in thanks, he asked me to sing Hayden's A Very Full House theme, And I did like a shortened rendition of it, but here it is. It's a very full house. So many people in this house. Too many people in this house. Cause it's a very, 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 very full house. Hayden, uh, I hope that was okay with you. And I also hope like if it wasn't okay with you that you blame Stan completely. Thanks so much for writing a great song. 
I also want to put out a thank you for all the people who have reviewed us on iTunes. So that means that a thanks is going to go out to Akino Zeno, your pal L, D. Finseth, and somebody called Sleeper Agent Chantel? Ha 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 ha. I also wanted to give a quick shout out today to um, a podcast called Dames Not Damsels. Yes, that's Dames Not Damsels, Not Dames and Dragons. I found them because they always come up on my search bar when I search for Dames and Dragons. Um, And they posted their first episode almost exactly the time that we posted our first episode. So it's kind of a really interesting little bit of coincidence there. So this podcast is, as they say, a podcast by lady nerds for lady nerds. So I would assume that that applies to a lot of you in our audience. They explore a lot of topics just about their lives and a lot about nerd culture and women in nerd culture and how our experience can be unique. Um, it is two ladies who are also in a an actual play D&D podcast called Dicey Tales, and they are really cool. I've talked to them a little bit. Yeah, they're really kind in the way that they talk about things in a way that I'm not sure I could be about some of the things that they mention. So I would really recommend their podcast if you're interested in learning more about how women experience nerd culture or in commiserating and celebrating how women experience nerd culture as a woman. I also want to thank everyone in our audience for continuing to be freaking amazing Um, I love you all so much and so personally. I am reaching out my soul to you through the astral plane and touching you gently on the forehead. I hope you feel it. Uh, The next episode will be up on May 29th. And now for a message to Chantel. Chantel, I am so glad that you left that iTunes review. It is beautiful and perfect. I am, however, I don't know, I guess a little confused because... You said that you black out during our episodes? Uh, I'm not sure why that would be. Uh, sorry if you're waking up covered in blood, but, you know, good luck out there. All right, Chantel. The code word is renegade bisexual dog stealer. Obviously. Um, and here's a message to my brother, who I am trying to get to listen to the podcast, who has been listening, and he likes it so far. Anyways, the code word is, he's a fart mouth. (laughs) Yeah. We'll leave it at that. Uh, Fran and Corbin, the next day when you wake up uh, and you, you exit the tent, you can see they've, they're they already like loaded up. They've been up for hours. Uh, the carts are fully burdened with their bullet spoils. And Nodreg, he comes over to you guys and he has two pairs of goggles, which he offers to you guys. Oh, yes. I, uh, I immediately put the goggles on. They are not great fashion-wise, but super awesome, keeping sand out of your eyes wise. Yeah, I put mine on um, too. I put mine, though, like on my head like an anime boy. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, not going on my eyes. Okay, well, he, he tries to put them on your eyes for you, like he, mm-hmm. he thinks you don't understand. Mm-hmm. I let him push them down, but then I push them back up, and um, I point to them, and I say, fashion. <laughs> I put mine on my eyes, and I look at him, and I say, she knows how to wear them. She's just an idiot. <laughs> Um, so he gives up after a minute, sort of looks at you both like he's deciding something, and then he grabs you, Fran, just like under the arms, picks you up, puts you down on the edge of one of the carts. Whee! Uh, (laughs) and then he picks you up, same thing, Corbin, just whoop, and then you're on the sled. And this sled is loaded with just crates and things. He did not do you the discourtesy of putting you on, you know, a carcass sled. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, they also, they did take your jawbone and they put it with the rest of the bones, but like mm-hmm. they tied a little string around it. So it's yours. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah. And so not too much longer than that, you guys are off. 
I guess they've just sort of adopted you. Is mm-hmm. what it seems like. Uh, when when this is, when the cards start moving, I I pull down my goggles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a good thing you do because when they start moving, they start going fast and they're kicking up lots of sand. So you're really glad to have those goggles on. Um, but you can still see out over these dunes, and you watch them go by, and it's all just this rolling dune after dune. It looks like it just goes on forever. And then have perception checks. Uh, 15. I got 18. Okay. Fran, you spot it. It looks like there's a, up ahead, there's a crater. Um, and sticking out of that crater, there's a piece of a tower. And it takes you a minute, but you do recognize it after a second. And you, you recognize the sort of distinctive ladle shape of the top of the tower, but it's laying on its side. The library. It, yeah, it's the top of the library. Okay, um, I make a minor illusion of an arrow pointing <laughs> at the library <laughs> in front of my driver. Okay, so the driver, it's, he is very surprised. He is very kind of upset by this, but <laughs> it's enough that it actually, it scares the lizard dogs. Okay. And they, oh, they come to a, a crashing halt, which makes the whole caravan sort of divert around them and stop. The whole caravan does come to a stop, but it is not an elegant affair. (laughs) Um, Way to go. What am I supposed to do? It's the library. (laughs) So as you are able to look at the library now that you're stopped, this is definitely just the top of the tower, maybe the, the top three or four floors. And the bottom of it is sealed. So where it broke off is sealed shut. And as you look closer, it looks, it looks like it was stone shaped, closed. Hmm. Um, but the window, one of the windows is broken and you can get inside. Okay, so we gotta go in there. You, uh, you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. Um, yeah, we do. <laughs> I want to go in. <laughs> There's books in there and maybe people. Yeah. Uh, what do the orcs do when we, like, uh, go to run inside there? They don't follow you, but they're they're all hanging back. They're waiting, though? But they are waiting for you. Okay. Okay. They- I, again, say, wait for us, and I throw my arm out, and I do the harmless shout of sparks. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, okay, so you go in, and it's very dark inside. The few windows that remain, they are shedding a little bit of light, but the tower's turned on its side. The wisps that used to follow the librarians around, you can see them just sort of flickering in and out but they're wandering aimlessly because there are no librarians left to serve. The books and the scrolls, they're scattered everywhere. Bookshelves are overturned. There are pieces of the floor that have just come loose and tumbled to other parts. There's sand that's begun to pour in through the windows. What do you want to do? So I guess we should do perception roll to see if yeah. there's anyone in here. Or Should we c- call out? I'm afraid of calling out because I feel like Corbin yells. <laughs> oh my god! You what do you yell? Burger Jugger! Oh my god! Your cry echoes. I mean, and it echoes for a while, but there's no response. I want to do a perception check to see if there's any like books that could be useful. Yeah, or valuable. I mean, I'm yeah. sure there are. Or valuable. Probably any of this is pretty valuable because it yeah. came from because it came from came Astra. from the gods. Yeah, it did. just like we did. Yeah. So do you perception? Uh, yeah. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah, I got a 19 plus yeah. something. So yeah, there. It looks like in the last few floors of the library, there was a section on social history, history of etiquette, history of fashion, history of kind of pop culture in Estra. Um, there's a art section. Uh, with lots of books of illustrations, of rubbings, of, of carvings and things like that. There is a section on languages, and there is a section on magic. Okay, so I think we should look through the magic section. I mean, because yeah. at least for me, like, I may be able to find some spells. Or... Yeah, you, you actually, yeah, that's a good point, because you have lost access as a wizard. Your yeah. spells come from learning spells. Exactly. I need to study. Yeah. And as you're looking through and you're picking through the books and kind of trying to sort out what might be useful, what might be valuable, you hear very faintly the sound of someone trying to form words, but you're, it doesn't seem like they're able to. Um, and as you look further and you follow that sound, you find 
pinned under a bookcase is Luelle. <gasps> and she's barely breathing. All right, I help her out. What do you, I, you just help her? <laughs> I, I just I help just her. Do it, cat. You just do it. You just help no, her. I well, I call Fran over and oh. we try to lift the bookcase. I guess. Yeah, uh, make a strength check. <laughs> I tell her to do it. <laughs> okay, I'll also make a strength check. Okay. I have negative one strength, just to remind you, Corbin. <laughs> Fourteen. I rolled an eight. Oh, you guys are not able to. This is a big, heavy book okay. ca- shelf, and you're just not able to get it off right, of her. Let me see if I have anything that would help here. So as that. as you're kind of debating what you should do, she grabs your hand, Corbin. Does is she alive? Still, sure, buddy. The goddess survived. Yeah, probably. Probably. I, I tried. When it was all falling, I tried. I tried to save the books. I, the tower came off, and I sealed the bottom so that we could save the books. You did really well saving the books, Luelle. Yeah, you did it. I don't know who will read them. Uh, Corbin, oh. can you use a yeah. healing spell? I was just going to say, can I cast a healing spell on her? Uh, yeah, actually, as you begin to cast the healing spell, she she takes your hand again and she shakes her head. She, I'm not coming back. What? There's hey. nothing left. Hey, no, that's not, that's not entirely true. <laughs> we found some very nice... People? Yeah, there's nothing left. There's no. Yeah, it's there so is. Cold. No, no, no. Okay, just cast okay, the healing cast spell. The healing spell. <laughs> Before you're able to, it's it's too Damn late. It. She's gone. Damn it! I yell in frustration. So, can we drag her out? Yeah, can we like try to pull her out yeah. and like? Uh, yeah. Now that you're not worrying about crushing her further, you are able to pull her corpse from the rubble, and. As you get her out, a, a wisp appears by her face, and it bumps into her once, and and then again, and then it fades out. No, oh. and it disappears. And the rest of the wisps that they also just begin to fade out one by one, and the library gets a little darker each time one disappears. Um, it seems like. Luel was the last thing keeping them here on this plane, and without her there, they're they're leaving. They're departing to the the elemental plane they were summoned from. Well, we should take her body with us when we go, but I mean, we should still try to find some books that are useful, probably. So, what you're able to find here is uh, quite a lot, actually. The issue that you have is that you're not really able to find the right spell books for your level. Mm. Everything that you're finding, you're looking at kind of going like, "Eh, maybe I could figure this out. It seems like whatever section that may have had stuff of your caliber is gone, but you are able to find lots of stuff on advanced spell casting, advanced summoning, and it's stuff that absolutely could be useful for you, but It'll take you some studying to figure out. Okay, well, that sounds good. I would like to take some of that stuff. Absolutely. So as you guys are picking around, you know, trying to figure out what's going to be useful to take, behind you, you hear the sound of crunching glass, and as you turn, you see one of the orcs has come in. Um, And it's a young woman, and she has white hair that's tied up in a top knot on top of her head. And as she's looking around... You see, she's crying. And as she's crying, she doesn't say anything. But she begins to bend down and she just starts picking up books. And she starts piling them into her arms. And she just keeps picking up books. Um, And then when her arms are full, she walks out. And then she comes back and she's got a couple more people with her. And they all just start picking up books. Hmm. Fran, I think some messed up stuff's going on in this place. Uh, what? Like it fell from the sky and everyone inside it died? No, I mean like they covet books. (laughs) Uh, Corbin, you don't covet books? Well, no, but like, look, all I'm saying is this seems like the kind of society where maybe reading doesn't happen here. Like, why does, why? Because they covet books! (laughs) 
you know, read um, the social cues. Honestly, Corbin, can you like stop and think about what you're saying for one second? Yeah. That the society that doesn't read covets books? Or like maybe books are destroyed. Like maybe this is Fahrenheit 451, the aftermath. I don't know, friend. Well, that lady seemed like she was crying in sympathy. That was my interpretation. Okay, well, whatever. I thought she was crying about the books. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I will carry the books. (laughs) Do it. Carrying them. Uh, Corbin, um, I have all these books in my hands, so I noticed there's a dead body that needs to be carried. (laughs) I turn into a big stag, and I do, like, a stupid little dance to taunt Fran. (laughs) (laughs) And then I, I, like, scoop Mm -hmm. up. Luell and my Um, horns? Well, I... How about about I help you with that? Yeah, get her on me. um, as you're doing that dance, uh, Fran fights tears. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, because it looks like things. That was was insensitive. (laughs) I apologize. (laughs) Uh, Fran throws the books on the ground and then comes to help you put that lady on your back so you can carry her out. So as you guys exit the library, you see that the the couple of orcs that were taking books has now multiplied and you can see that they've sort of redistributed one of the sleds and they've begun packing as many books as they can onto that sled and the white-haired orc woman who was the one you saw crying um she approaches you fran and she holds out her hands like for your books and then points to the sled Mm -hmm. uh and then sort of holds out her hands again Mm -hmm. yeah i give them to her then I just say, thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, she does not understand you, but she reaches out and she grabs you by the back of your head and puts her forehead against yours for. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm real scared. It's it, yeah, it's kind of an aggressive move, but she just sort of gently puts her forehead against yours mm-hmm. and then moves away and she walks away with her books. OK, um, I'm going to roll to fall in love. <laughs> yeah, Fran doesn't act any different. It's OK, fine. OK. Um, so, uh, does anybody, like, notice that we have a dead body? (laughs) Um, Or that, like, there's a deer walking around? Oh, they are mystified. Cool. They're looking at you in awe. Like, besides that one white-haired orc who seems to be mostly preoccupied with these books, Mm -hmm. everyone's staring at you, and they part for you as you walk through with this body. Cool, cool. And Nodreg, he comes forward. And he takes the body off of your back. And he was one, he takes the body, he has her one arm because he is massively strong. Think Dwayne the Rock Johnson oh, in physique good. type. Oh, yeah. But he, he takes you by the back of your deer head and he does the same thing. He puts his forehead to yours and uh, then he takes the body back with him to his sled. You know that noise that the hearts make in Dragon Age Inquisition when you like, go fast on them and they like scream? <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I make that noise. God. <laughs> All right. Well, once you're back in your human shape and uh, the sleds are loaded up, it's getting dark. This has definitely been a large detour, but they are all loading back up and getting back on the sleds. It seems like they're, even though it's getting dark, they're not stopping tonight. So are we are we on that sled or are we yeah. on a different one? Um, Yeah, actually, they let you ride on the book sled. Cool, cool. Okay, cool. Um, and as the sun is going down over the dunes and you're riding on this book sled, you don't know where you're going, but it's better than where you are. Laika, as you and your party trek out across the desert, it's it's hard. You are in a big metal suit, and that sun is getting very hot very fast. And um, I'm going to have you roll three survival checks. Because you just love this. I do. You're sick. I love it. <laughs> oh, great. Um, so the first one is 22. The second one is a 22. What? <laughs> The third one is a 22. No! no. no. I swear to God, you I guys. I saw them, though. It's 318s. Oh, yeah, my God. Shit. That is insane. Okay. Well, awesome. You 
surprisingly do really well. As you're starting off across the desert, the first time you go down a dune and then realize how far it is to go back up, you realize, okay, we need to walk on top of the dunes rather than trying to go straight. And that helps you a lot. You guys are able to form a single file line of Jinji, you, and then Zarun carrying the goddess across the tops of these dunes. And as you're walking across these dunes, you see in the distance this lightning storm coming. It's just like a wall of dark ahead of you, and you immediately realize that is not something you want to be out here for. But at first you don't see anything, so you keep going. And then you see there's kind of a weird dip in the desert, and you, you as you walk towards that, you see it's a piece of rubble, a piece of Estra that's fallen. It looks like a, just a chunk of a building, and so you're able to take shelter well before the storm hits. And once you're inside, you can see it's the room is tilted on its side. So, you know, the wall is the ceiling. The floor is sand. Um, there's some pieces of furniture, some stray tables and chairs. It looks like this was somebody's dining room, maybe, or their living room. Uh, yeah. What do you want to do? Is there food or water here? Make a... What would that be? Investigation? Yeah. Investigation check. Ha ha, that is a three. <laughs> uh, no, you don't find anything. Well, shit. But you do think to find some of the cloth from, like, some chairs and use it to cover the windows so that the sandstorm doesn't get in. Um, and just as you think to do that, the first gust of wind hits the building. So you four are able to hunker down in the the last remains of this building and wait out this sandstorm. You are stuck in this building throughout the whole evening. And again, it gets really cold at night. And with your super expert survival checks, um, you are able to find enough materials to get a fire started. Uh, enough little straps of cloth and thread that you're able to just get enough of the spark going. It's not much. But it keeps you guys warm when the desert gets really just bitterly cold through the night. But the next morning, you are starving and you are getting weak and you are going to take minus one constitution damage. Um, and until you get food every single day that you wake up hungry, you will take another damage, another constitution damage. I bet there was food in that building I didn't find. <laughs> You think? Yeah, I can't giggle, so that's yeah. A yes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have you make another three survival checks. Okay. That is a 24. Uh, that one's a 7. Okay. And that one is a 11. Okay. So your second day, you start out strong. You f you're feeling good. You're feeling like, you've got this. You have never been in a desert. You have never seen a desert, but you know what is up with deserts. And you think that for a good chunk of the morning, right up until uh, Jinji falls into a sand pit, and you have to quickly grab her and keep her from sinking into the sands. And from then on, you realize this is not a walk in the park. It is a trek through a an unforgiving desert. And somehow it is even hotter than it was the day before. And things start to go down pretty quickly. Zarun is panting. You have you have no water. You still haven't found any. When you check on the goddess, she's looking very ashen. Her breathing has shallowed. Her lips are chapped and cracked. You're all definitely suffering from dehydration at this point. Um, I'm going to have you make a perception check. Eleven. All right. Oh, it's just barely enough. Thank God. You, it's getting late. The sun is starting to go down and just in the distance. You're not sure. You're not sure at all. But you think you see a little bit of green. I run towards it, screaming, <laughs> land, freedom. And I have a really long beard now. <laughs> and I'm wearing rags. And I have a ball that's named Wilson. <laughs> um, yeah, so you run towards it. It is. It is. It is what you thought it was. It's an oasis. It's just starting to get dark, but you do have enough time to collect a little bit of 
kindling and get a fire going. You stay up for the first watch. It's uneventful. You go to sleep. And when you wake up the next morning, it's because you feel Gingy licking your face. And you realize it's it's not quite morning. It's sort of this just before dawn, this odd sort of half-light. And it's not Gingy licking your face. It's this creature and you don't you've never seen one before. It has this long face and these big eyes on either side of its head and then these two big humps on its back. It's a cow. And as you look up at this creature and it looks down at you it says, "What are you?" Four of you set off into the desert. Jam on toast, Bowie. No. Why are you saying that? That's my catchphrase. <laughs> are you making up a catchphrase? You can say jam on toast, I yeah. guess, if you want. I do want. Why are you saying that? I love to say jam on toast. What is that from? What does it mean? My mind. It means nothing. It's a cool thing that cool guys who eat onion rings and wear tight shirts say. <laughs> No, it's definitely from something. Kat, are no, you looking it's it up? not. <laughs> yeah, it is. Tell us what What's it's from. It from. I bet it's super embarrassing. It's, it's from on nothing. Urban Dictionary. Uh, it means having sex in a car. Wow! <laughs> I'm saying it because that's not what it means. Clearly, you can look up like fart on a log, and Urban Dictionary will be like having sex in a car. Okay, it'll be like having sex on a log, Sophia. What? Well, you just say fart on a log. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's just as cool as Jamatos. Jamatos is very cool. Okay, all right. If that's going to be your catchphrase, I guess we're just going to embrace that. Okay. Okay.